stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited. Hey there, this is Ignited the Podcast. I'm Wade Cleveland. Welcome. It's great to have you here. I work for a rural innovation hub called Ignite, and I'm here to tell you some great small town and rural success stories. This episode, we're back in our Ignite New Glasgow studio to chat with James Sonny McDonald and his wife Candy about their company Green Oil and the journey that they've been on. When Ignite set up shop at the New Glasgow location, Green Oil became the first resident company there. Now, James is a true innovator. Green Oil was founded in 2017 when they came up with a way to clean store diesel fuel, furnace oil, and lubricating oils that became contaminated and would normally be disposed of. But ever the tinkerer, James saw that there was a problem with bilge water in boats becoming contaminated and then getting pumped overboard. Now, for those who don't know, the bilge is the lowest part of any boat where water from rain or waves or lobster traps or whatever will often gather. Now, often that water would combine with fuel and lubricants from the engine, be contaminated, and then get pumped overboard, which is a huge environmental issue. Now, James thought, well, they were already successfully removing water from fuel, so why not remove fuel from water? They reached out to a company that was instrumental in the BP oil spill cleanup in 2010, and after a few brainstorming sessions with their engineers, developed a continuous bilge water filtration system. Green Oil's truly on the edge of something huge, and their story is very inspiring. Now, before I begin the interview, I'm going to give you an acronym alert. Some industries and government really love their acronyms. So, for understanding's sake, I'll go through a few that get mentioned today. NSBI is a provincial government organization, Nova Scotia Business Incorporated, who do a lot of great work with startup innovative businesses. NRC is the National Research Council. ACOA is the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency, a federal government funding agency, and the CBDC is the Community Business Development Corporation, funded by ACOA, that helps businesses by offering financing, counseling, and more. Clear as mud? You'll hear James and Candy mention Doug. Now, that's Doug Jones, CEO of Ignite, who offered a lot of advice and mentoring to Green Oil through their early days. And you'll hear about something called Spark. Now, that's the Spark Challenge, which is financed by CBDC, remember them, to encourage innovation. It's a competition where you receive training in finance, risk management, and how to pitch your ideas to potential investors. Green Oil entered and won the Spark Challenge, winning enough financial capital to keep them going. All right, away we go. James and Candy, thank you so much for talking to us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Let's go back to 2017, and uh, you're deciding to start up Green Oil. Tell me about it. Was it the idea first and then the decision to make a company? Yeah, so, and it wasn't ours. So the other two partners in the company knew each other. I didn't, I knew one of them didn't know the other. And one of them had a background in um, cleaning oil. So they thought, well, <clears throat> is there a market for cleaning any lubricating oil, but basically hydraulic oil. So they approached me because neither one had any, I shouldn't say business background, I didn't have a ton of business background, although I was fairly independent managing a company out west for 20 years, to go to, like from excavators and all heavy equipment that you run on hydraulic. And we ended up building a system that we could tap into their tank, run it through our system, and literally just clean their hydraulic oil better than new, and they never had to replace it. thought it was a fantastic idea because I was in the power line industry, running all equipment that ran on hydraulic or used hydraulic and saw the problem with it all, right? Anyway, we agreed to try to figure out how to do something. 
Uh, Candy actually came up with the name Green Oil. We were brainstorming at home one day, and I think she was on the iPad, and I was on the computer, and she came across that and kind of put everything together, and that's where the name came from. But so anyway, that's how it initially started, but it was very loose in the sense that I was still working out west. Um, Pat, one of the partners, had left his job, so he was primarily the guy doing running the roads and knocking on doors. It, in fact, he built our system mm-hmm. um, from scratch, which is you know the size of a, an ATV is a fairly big unit. And the other owner, he didn't really get involved at all, like in, in, in terms of the day-to-day stuff. So then <clears throat> I worked a lot from out west, so my evenings, my Sundays, and just trying to, to build the business and figure out, okay, who, who's going to be our customer? And it was, it was tough. I mean, we were surprised. You know, we, what we learned was most people who run on hydraulic oil don't change it. It's you know? still tough. Oh, we, yeah. we, we barely do any of it it's in, a, in that It's an expensive piece of equipment that we have that doesn't work very much, but... I mean, it works really well, yeah. but we just can't convince people that, you know. So we could have bought one for 150 grand. We built one for 50. But what happened when Pat was hitting the road and trying to drum up business, he would frequently be asked, do you guys clean diesel fuel? And we thought, well, we don't, but yeah, let's tell them yes, and we'll figure out how to do that. <laughs> exactly. So that's how that, and that's been our bread and butter since probably 2018, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was boat owners were saying, look, I, I'm storing a boat for whatever, six months, eight months, and then... I'm finding there's water in there, there's sludge in there. What it, so anyway, we invested in the gear to do that, and, and he hit the road. We hired a guy in Pat, and they just traveled a lot down your way, and the island, and New Brunswick, and still, they're in Grand Manan today doing that. So. Mm-hmm. so the technology itself, is it something you developed yourself, or did it exist and kind of you figured out how to put it all together? Yeah, so that's primarily it. We, we, our hydraulic unit is a little different than most on the market. We added a few extra stages of filtration. And that was Pat, you know, just understanding that he had a background and that sort of stuff. The diesel polishing, we didn't do much. You know, we, we bought a unit. We did add, again, some stages of filtration, but that was nothing, nothing majorly innovative. It was to save using $100 filters, right? And we're running the same unit we had since 2018. So how does it work? So basically what it is is you, all contamination in, in fuel goes to the bottom. Water, right. sludge, you name it. That's where it settles. So we put a hose in. Our hose goes straight to the bottom of the tank. As we pump it up, there's a number of stages. It goes through a bag filter to remove larger stuff and finer and finer uh, filtration. And then we have a water separator, which is pretty cool because there's no filter. So a light comes on and says, okay, this thing's full of water. We just open the drain, drain it off, close it. And this continues until clean fuel, we literally just drop the hose at the top of that tank. So the clean fuel is going in as we're taking the nasty fuel out of it. And it just keeps rotating. You know. So it runs steady. Yeah, so we, we'll circulate on, you know, take an average boat with a couple of thousand liters, maybe two or three hours, they'll circulate on that tank. And all of our hoses are clear, so we see exactly what's coming through that, right? And then we pull off their fuel line, and that's kind of a, was a big eye-opener to us and to a lot of these fishermen, in a sense, was they can have a 10, 15, 20-foot line fuel line, not always that long. When we pull that off and we, you know, suck what's in that out of there, whew, it's nasty. Just black sludge. And they're usually good for a while, but the problem is, so diesel fuel 50, 60 years ago would almost last forever, right? But I don't know exactly when it was. I think it was 2009 or 10, they started a biodiesel, the blend. Right. And that started to increase the contamination. What it is really is just microbes who that actually eat diesel fuel. That's what's in there. That's the black sludge that everybody sees. Oh, really? Like people call it algae and other things, but it's bacteria. They'll sit dormant for, well, forever, essentially, until any amount of water gets in that fuel. And as soon as it does, it brings them to life and they start eating fuel. Not to the point where they're seeing their fuel levels go down, but enough that they're seeing this pockets of black sludge everywhere, right? So that's what we remove, water on the sludge. 
Okay, now, the fishermen were asking for this. You had realized that they were dumping their bilge tanks, too. and, and Well, that's where that came from, right? So spending so much time on these boats, the crew was, you can smell it, I mean, but the crews would say, geez, that's crazy. And some of these bilges aren't that big. They might be six, seven feet long by a foot deep and just almost looks like a trough right, right. right at the bottom. But in some of the boats, especially like in the larger ones, that's compartmentalized off. So they have a bilge at the back of the boat that really would never get contaminated. It's just seawater and rainwater might get into it. But this one here is where their hydraulic tank is, is where their engine is, all of that, right? We started just on our own, sneaking a, you know, dipping a cup in there and having a look just for our own purpose and saying, wow, this is crazy. And over and over and over, we're finding this. So we started to hunt for, does this exist? Is there a filter for this? And they do. They're just almost unheard of because there's only a couple of companies in the world that actually make a bilge filter system. We found one in Europe, one in the U- well, one in, I think around Germany, one in the UK, and two in the States. So we, we said, okay, let's, let's just get, see what the, kind of the reception we get. So, and this is where Candy kicked in and came to all these trade shows with us. So we became a dealer for a company in the UK. Decent product. We almost immediately knew we can improve upon it. Hit the road and we got, you know, there's three or four mindsets out there, right, when it comes to that stuff. And we, we learned that right early on. You know, some agree, I'd, I'd buy one for the environment, you know, or I'd buy one because I don't want to get a fine. Um, some don't even see it as a problem. You know, and fortunately, they weren't that high a number of people, but there are some who still just don't get that if I spit, you know, a few drops of oil overboard every other day, it's harmless, right? So we knew our challenge was going to be, even if we developed an awesome system, how do we sell it to people? How do we get them to buy into this whole concept? So that's what we ended up doing. I expect this is where the mess in the house came from, Candy's talking about. I, <laughs> I decided that we can make our own. We can make our own filter that would trap hydrocarbons and let water flow through clean. And that took me over a year. I was actually surprised at how little, you know, mediums out there that will actually do that. But with most of the trade shows that we went to, we listened to the fishermen. They they really want to be on board with this. Oh, God. They, yeah. they gave us the, some of the feedback that actually sh- shaped what it looks like. Yeah. So... We really listened to what they yeah, wanted. They were afraid, for example, one of them was... What we learned, this has all been, you know, very organic for us, learning a lot of this stuff as we went along. But one of the things was a bilge filter itself, the cartridge, shouldn't plug. Like, it shouldn't fill or it's gonna, it can't let anything through for safety reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So that was also part of the challenge for me to make a filter like that. But So we knew they had a fear that what if it plugged? So even when we'd say, well, it, it won't. Well, I'm not really comfortable putting something between my bilge pump and my discharge port just in case, right? So... We said, okay, we'll put a sensor on ours. So it'll if, you're, if this filter plugs, a little light's going to come on in your wheelhouse, and you know that there's an issue. So nobody else in the world offers that one on a bilge filter. So that was our first kind of innovative, you know. And then the other problem that we had with the other filter was flow. So it, it, it was great at trapping oil, but as soon as we were hooking these on, and this is part of the Claire Machine Works installs in, down in Southwest Nova, and I was at there a lot, the, the fishermen weren't wrong. Like as soon as we, we put this thing in, we, they turned their pump on, you know, the flow was less. So that took me, like I said, about a year working on this. Yeah. So, and you know, there's some help. I worked, so the medium, for example, we get from a company in uh, the States, and how I found them was when the BP oil spill hit, they were building fences along the shoreline. So as the oily water was coming in, water would pass through these fences, you know, they were four or five feet high, and it was trapping the oil. So I sat with their engineer through Zoom a few times, and we chatted about whether I could utilize that material and how I wanted to use it in this, you know, cylindrical filter, and they had no idea. They, they, so they went back and f- to there and looked at this, you know, it should work. And it did to a degree. So anyway, I ended up tweaking it again, different lengths, different widths, different tightnesses. So we still have a high flow rate, and we have a higher capacity. 
Wow. Yeah. So Now, how long did it take? You know, Candy was growling, or not growling, but joking about the idea that, you know, you've, you've got everything kind of on the kitchen table. Is that literally how you were doing things, just kind of yeah. playing with yes. ideas? Yes. So I, I bought a 3D printer and got that. So I have a basement office, and then I have a shop beside the house. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, to get between those two, I go through the kitchen. So not everything I bring with me from one spot to the other makes it always made it through the kitchen because I would stop a phone call, start fiddling with something there, and say, go back downstairs, try to 3D print something. And it's still 3D printing something. Kitchen, (laughs) mudroom. All throughout the basement, garage. (laughs) It was everywhere. (laughs) Now, through the whole process of of going to the trade shows, you were doing a lot of the talking with the fishermen. How receptive were they to all of this? You said before about how you really learned a lot from what they were asking for. Were they cool with the idea of a change in technology? Were they okay with the idea of an innovation? For the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say yes. We did hear, great idea, I'll put one in when I have to. And yeah. So we heard a lot of that. But most of them were on board, they said it's a great idea. Oh, very few were negative, right? They would ask, you know, what's that gonna cost to follow? And once you tell them, you know, it's six, seven hundred bucks, it's not six, seven thousand, you know, it's not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, that's cool. You know, that was kind of the, so it was warm. You know, it wasn't like as soon as they were going to get into a store, they were going to line up and buy them. They were, and they didn't know much about them, right? I mean, that was the, the educational piece for us was to say, okay, it, it won't plug. This is what it'll do. Will it do this? You know, so we had, and we had to figure a lot of that out ourselves because they had questions, right? Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely, yeah. And places like Coldwater were huge for us to help us out because they got funding to get 100 of these out to the fishermen. And that was early in our in the game for us, so we were still learning things and working things out with the fishermen. You know, this isn't going to work. Let's hook it up this way. Let's do this. You know, there was a lot of that, so it was a huge learning curve for us. But it was also massive for us to start getting it out there because, surprisingly enough, even if you Google, it, you'll find bilge filters. But I don't think I spoke to a fisherman who ever heard of one before. Never even heard of it because they're they're nowhere in Canada. Nobody sells them. You know, there's a company in BC that just started, and it's nothing even similar to what we do. Because ours is a continuous, you just turn the pump on, you can keep sailing around. Theirs is when you're at dock for hours and hours and hours, you can set this unit, I guess it's about yay big, and it'll, as the, it, the water flows through this, it'll start to trap the oils, but you can't use it in real time. You can t- turn your bilge pump on, for example. So they're really not a, and they're what, three grand for this little piece? Yeah, they were like expensive. Yeah. So they're not a competitor, so we really don't have any in Canada. The internet's always your competitor, right? Because mm-hmm. people can get it wherever they want. But And so we're priced accordingly, and. You know, we're trying to be as Canadian as we can. I know some of the pieces we get from away, but, you know, we buy this, the peat moss from Quebec, you know, there's, we're getting our um, caps made, supposed to be getting made in about two, New Brunswick, I'm making them right now on the 3D printer, printer again. And um, Maritime Fishermen Union, they get funding about six months ago, so we're just about done filling an order for them for 50 systems. All right. And then we also have a customer in Quebec. Yeah, we do. He found us on the internet. Mm-hmm. He's been great. He's bought three or four systems from us for his boats up there, so, yeah. He, he says he thinks they should be mandatory. And they should be mandatory. <laughs> well, yeah, because of the influence that, uh, you know, they, they'll have on the environment, mm-hmm. if nothing else, it'll save you money in the long term, but it's also huge for the environment, right? It is absolutely massive. is, yeah. And that's that's the difficulty, you know. You, when I think back, you know, when I was a kid and it used to be the, there's an environmental com- Canadian moment commercial that would say, you know, the father threw the garbage overboard on the boat or whatever, and the son said, where does it go, Dad? And he says, away. It just goes away. That mindset still exists. Mm-hmm. You know, thankfully it's dying quickly, but it still exists. You know, they just look at the massive size of the ocean and say, a few drops of oil? Like, really? Like, why, what's the concern? And we're finding that, you know, especially the younger generation coming up and taking over these boats, totally different. 
you know, there's a guy in Anaganish reached out to me and he, he, he wanted like two of them. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, <clears throat> my, my two sons are taking over the boat. And he said, and they're into that stuff. That's the way he worded it. In, <laughs> well, it's good to be into that stuff because that stuff's helping the environment, right? Right. So, yeah. You've got the idea. You've got the concept. You're putting everything together. Where do you get the funding to make all this happen? Well, we can thank Ignite for a lot of that in terms of contacts, right? So Absolutely. we got it from a number of sources. ACOA has been huge help for us. NSBI has been a huge help for us. Even the NRC had funded some of the, a lot of engineering and, and that sort of stuff. And Ben Garvey with Ingenuity has been fantastic right from the right from the beginning. You know, we even sit here at, at a function here one evening and him and I are in the corner saying, you know, he's like, I can reverse engineer this for you. And, you know, so, and then ACOA would just fund it. And Doug gave us all those contacts, right? Wouldn't have known before then. And Spark, we wouldn't have. Oh, Spark was huge. Yeah. Well, I don't think we think we would have survived. No, we wouldn't have. If we wouldn't have won that award, I don't know how much longer we could have went on. Okay, tell us about that. Tell us, first off, for those who don't know, what is Spark? So it was for innovative companies, and it was actually, this, I think it's a CBDC that, that you know, funds this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just rural. I don't, I'm not sure how they set it up exactly. I know it's regional. Um, and again, again, that was Doug sending us that information me out west and thought how are we going to pull off you know what's a pitch <laughs> you know all this kind of stuff you know what do we need to know so we said yeah sure we'll sign up so we get accepted as one of the companies to compete um and again i was out west and so candy was getting training back here i was more or less getting some training you know from away um and this is before the days of zoom calls and that kind of yeah. thing it was pre-covid right so you're you're telephoning, you're emailing back and forth. So it's it's a little more difficult. Too. It was a lot in, in a four hour time difference from where I was to here, uh-huh. you know, um, or three, I guess. So anyway, yeah. So the, the, they get to know and meet Permjot before I ever did. I just spoke to him on the phone. Um, he loved our idea. Now who's Permjot? So Permjot, I'd probably pronounce the last name wrong, but I think it's either Vela or Velia. Um, he's a phenomenal trainer, um, mentor to us. But he's been done. He's done. He does a lot of. Motivational speaking is a thing called storytelling, which is phenomenal. I've participated in a few of them. And it's, you know, it's how to promote your company, how to build your brand, how to do a lot of those things without being, he's very broad. So I find every time I sit in a, like, when Zooms were around. And he's very honest. Very honest. Yeah, he tells you <laughs> when you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wants you to be able to say in a, you know, it's kind of like the elevator pitch, right? He wants to, he can help coach you to get to the point where you can tell people what you do in a minute right? Or sometimes three minutes or whatever. So he was fantastic at, and he's just a phenomenal presenter, right? So that's where the, that, that skill set is what we okay. helped us, right? His ability to present. And so with me, it was do it in stages and how to, you know, build up to the information about your product to get to the point where you're keeping people's interest while you're doing your, what was I given a 10 minute pitch? I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we came in third, second or third, I can't remember. Uh, third. But our funds then, because we were really in the middle of developing things. So when you get funding, it doesn't help green oil in terms of paying our bills, it, other than the bill it's for. So funding for engineering is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we still had you know, insurance. We have incredibly high insurance because of what we do. So we had insurances and all those sort of things to pay for. So I think we're gaining traction with all of this stuff. And it was like, OK. And then pushing the diesel polishing t- to death to try to keep that, you know, keep us alive. And then we won the spark. So that was like, whew, you know, we're good for at least three or four months, right? <laughs> right. And, and we're talking months here. I mean, yeah. this is oh, yeah. a long term. This yeah. is yeah, months. Yeah. But it was enough that we could focus again back because I knew the bilge filter had legs. I knew that, and it's and it's still getting there. But I, I never wavered from that. I knew that the, the diesel polishing, you know, we didn't 
walk away from that either because it's a bread and butter and it's important. It, it's a service that people need and want, right? And I think there's only one other company and there's just a, a smaller one in, in Nova Scotia that, that does it. And nobody in, in PEI, so we're in PEI, well, it seems like Constantly. every second week, yeah. you know, and now they're in Grand Manan. And so it, that's still really important to us, but things like Spark really helped us to say, okay, now we can breathe for a few months. We're still going to diesel polish, but we get a little bit of money here to play around with. and Let's Refocus. Yeah, keep going on this bills filter and get this thing to be ours, right? And then and that's only happened early this year. Mm-hmm. That is that is our product, right? You know, of course we bring components in from wherever we can get them, but it's it's made by hand here, you know, in Glasgow. So that's really wild. Now, honestly, I, I'm just really curious. What motivated you to decide? Okay, I'm going to start my own company. We're going to do this because it's a scary step. It, it is to me anyway to kind of take that plunge. Very scary. For us, it came kind of in, 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 it was easier early on because I kept my job. Mm-hmm. So I kept traveling out west. Um, so there was no fear of us not being able to continue financially at home. Um, but then COVID hit. So that was it, you know, and I, I had a fairly high paying job. So when COVID hit and they were offering, you know, the serve and all those sorts of things, that was nowhere near what we needed. You know, we lived a certain level of lifestyle, accustomed based on how our income. Right. We had so, to change a few things. <laughs> well, we literally cashed in our life savings. Is we, what did. we did, yeah. So in partway through 2020, it, we kind of made the decision like, okay, this is do or die. So don't know when I'm ever going to go back out west. Um, everything was being done at a reduced scale or not at all. So it's, let's focus totally on green oil. And that's but what we did. We would never have been able to do this if we didn't have that motivation for the environment. And there's lots of other things that it would be nice to have James home and just to kind of give us that push. Yeah. So, and I knew that, so I was, I was traveling at West for 21 years. Mm-hmm. So this was it. So it was either started a different business that's maybe easier and that or none, none are, but because this was becoming a real challenge with, you know, innovating things that I have no background in. So a lot of research and studying and, and you know, trying to figure out how things might work to the point that I could have comfortable conversations with engineers and actually give my input, right? The first few times I really couldn't. I was at their mercy, right? They told me it wouldn't work. I wouldn't work. Well, actually, that's not true. I usually say, yeah, it probably will work and <laughs> I can figure out with it some more. But. So you, should, was, you should see our backyard. It has a, it's very... There's bill filter, filter <laughs> stuff and thousand liter tote what, bins. What is it? Yeah, the great big tote bins all over the place. Well, but it paid off. I mean, this is how ridiculously dedicated we are to it. So about a month ago, we were so confident that the filter that oh, I had designed and made. Um, <laughs> so we've got a thousand liter tote that had been sitting out there since the year prior. It probably has an inch thick layer of that much water and, you know, a foot of water, two feet of water, oil. and an inch thick of oil. Yeah. So we looked at each other and said, let's drink it. Let's, take, let's try it. Let's see how confident well, we are. Whoa. I, said, I dare you to drink that, James. Yeah, that's how it started. But And I hummed and hawed and I said, okay, let's do it. So we turned on the, the fil- uh, pump and started, went through the filter and put it in the cup. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. So we said, you know, here we go. <laughs> and we just took a drink. And, we didn't die. No. So, But it's, that's, you know, the putting your money where your mouth is because, you know. And, we and of course, then after that, all, multiple tests went to A-Gate Labs in Halifax are really well known they do work for dfo and others they did all of our lab testing so we knew when it came back we were at 0.1 parts per million you know it's almost clean water in a sense right so we've done a lot of that but it's been a challenge because not knowing all that stuff right like 
who, who nobody just wakes up one day and says, okay, I'm going to make a filter, and this is where I get, this is how I got to make it, and this is where I have to get it tested, and these are the rules and regulations. They all came with time, with feedback, with you know, there'd be a problem where some say a fish mode have an issue that they thought they had, say with Transport Canada. Well, I'd reach out to Transport Canada, go through our entire product and how it's used and get their feedback. Or it would be with, well, oh, my insurance company might not cover me anymore if I put this in. So I'm dealing with trying to figure out, okay, who do I talk to in the insurance industry? And then we get all that settled and, you know, it's no issue for us. But they're all real concerns that you would never think about when you're first starting. What are the roadblocks that you might run into? And if, you know, if a lot of, not just fishermen, that just happens to be who we dealt with, but boat owners in general, right? Have concerns and we overuse fishermen and we talk with this sometimes at home is we don't want to paint them with a broad stroke like that because I know well, well I just handed a bilge filter to a guy on Friday local fisherman here and he said I could have used this last week he said because he had a leak minor and he said every day and I was tell it got it fixed he said I come back and there'd be a few drops and he said I'm down on my hands and knees and I'm scrubbing and I'm scrubbing and I'm scrubbing so he cares but he also understands that you can't get it all you, you can get what you see but you can barely see 100 parts per million, never mind 15, and that's the legal limit, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where I explained to him. I said, look, bud, that's great. You know, so when this happens, do what, you, do what you're doing. Take your pads and clean it up. Put some water in your bilge now and turn it on and it'll run it through our filter. You're guaranteed you're not putting anything overboard, right? So that's what it's for. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's not, and so it's not that fishermen don't care and they don't, you know, whatever. Because um, I'll, I'll give you an example. This, I wish I had it standing right there. So we went on a family vacation in Cape Breton. I won't say where. And the family rented a yacht for an hour or two. And my daughter, our daughter, was down at the wharf just before we were ready to go away. She has two little wiener dogs and said, to put them in for a swim. And she could see and it looked like a sleck coming from around the back of the boat. And she got her dogs out as quick as she could. And the, I don't know if it was the captain, the mechanic, or whoever was there. He said, sorry. Sorry, apologies for that. I just, that's what he did. He turned his bilge pump on. Mm -hmm beautiful Cape Breton in, in a yacht, it, they're all doing it. And they care just as much in the fishing community as they do or, or not, right? You know, that's what we learned. But see, we've done so much work with the fishermen. That's why we use that term so much. But it's boaters. It's boaters in general, mm -hmm. you know. So I delivered a filter to a company in Vancouver, you know, and for that reason, they, 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 it was a super yacht. It was beautiful. Actually, we went out mm -hmm. a couple of weeks before I, sh I gave them the filter to visit my sister, and they, they were great. They invited me in and showed me all around their yacht, their facility. And that's what it was. There was, you know, this this is Vancouver, right? With green, 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 west Western Canada's, right? But there was fuel in the bilge of this. What did he tell me? It was a fifteen million dollar yacht or something. So, right. You know, so it's everywhere. Right? It is, and it's just a level of care. And with know? one one liter of oil, it potentially contaminates a million liters of water. You're on the edge of something that could be huge. I think so. Yeah. Because of the implications. If you can get this on a, on a big scale where it goes beyond the local fishermen and, and others, where everybody kind of needs one of these or wants one of these, that's right. then you're, you're doing something huge, not just for the environment, but for your business. No, that's right. And that's the beauty of it. Like, not everybody has to be in business for the environment or for some cause, right? But everybody has to be in business to satisfy a need or a want, right? I mean, otherwise you're not, right? If I developed something that nobody needed or wanted, I'm never going to sell any, right? right? So for us, it's fortunate that that need is an environmental one, right? Bigger than we ever thought because we didn't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not boaters. I, you know, pr prior to getting on a few of these boats, I wouldn't have had, I probably wouldn't have known what a village was four years or five right. years ago, you know? So that's the other part of it is most people don't, right? If that's not your world, the word bilge is foreign, right? And to then start to, narrow it down to say okay this is what actually can go on and often does go on down there and this is their options not very many you know a lot of them it's soap 
I mean, the, there's, you're, it's hard to find a boat that doesn't have a five gallon bucket of dishes, you know, sunlight. And, and part of that is because some of them think it actually is removing the oil because visually it is, you can't see it, right? It's just dispersing it. But, and then we learned through, or I did through my research, that can be just as harmful to the environment as the oil itself, right? They're blaming some of the coral reefs that have disappeared over the years, more to do with gray water discharge, so soap than anything. So for us to try to educate on all of that, all those fronts, right, is tough because a, this is a build, right? B, this is what can be in it. These are what they're doing now. But hey, here's an, here's an option. But when you're talking to, like, let's say it's government or people in industry higher up the, the, the food chain a little bit, they may have never seen that before. So they can't even really envision. So that's been, been a challenge because we're like, why is nobody acting on this? What, right? And then I started, started to realize just because I'm talking to somebody in, an, in the industry, they still not, might not be able to fully understand what I'm, because they may have never seen it. Mm -hmm. right? So you start multiplying what we do see by hundreds of thousands of boats, that's crazy. That level of contamination is crazy. Millions and millions of liters are being contaminated, just in Canada, you know. Yeah, that's, that's before you go anywhere else. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And we have strict rules here, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, we're, if enforcement's your only option, the damage is already done, right? That's, that's the kicker. And changing even that mindset to say, you know, the government is believing they're doing something about it by enforcing it, but you're, you're enforcing it after it happens. You know, you're, you're saying it's illegal, but you can't do anything about it really until, because they can't just walk on a boat and check the bilge water. That, it's private property. They own their own boats, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, there's, there's a lot of moving parts to all of this for us. And we're still, like I said, we're not here yet on cruise control. We're still, you know, very low down on that mountain, still trying to climb that hill. But Well, what's, what's the next step up the hill? What, what happens now? Well, we can't really say. <laughs> so <laughs> we know, but we can't say. It's in so, the works. So okay. there is a big thing that's happening very rapidly that's, that could have huge impact on us and, and I guess, the, on the environment. But those that are involved in it, you know, I'm sure wouldn't want me to say who they are, but they're on the verge of making some significant changes to things that, mm -hmm. if they happen, are going to be a big deal for us, you know. Okay. And, and for, and the, for environment. the environment, yeah. yeah. Huge. So, If you know something like that's coming, how do you get ready for it? Well, that's the thing is we're losing sleep over this one. Because, <laughs> you know, it's funny because early on, and we were still, you, Ignite was still in the community college, mm -hmm. and it was probably the fourth or fifth time that we had met Doug. Yeah, because yeah, you were one of the first to actually joining them yeah, here. Yeah, we, we first were the first, yeah. They the weren't, first. They weren't yeah. even open, and we sat there chatting with them in the community college. Uh -huh. So Doug came up, and we had met him a few times up there, and he said to us, he said, after he understood what you know our, our whole game was, or is, he said, your biggest challenge, he didn't know in how many years, is going to be able to, is to meet the, the demand for your product. He said, that's going to be your biggest challenge. We're right on the doorstep of that right now, and... It's tough because we don't have the money to build a, you know, get the facility and get all set up if it's going to happen, right? And then if, if it happens, though, and it does, and you're not ready, right, how much of the game are you out of, right, that you lose? So what we've been doing is, and I have been reaching out, so I have, NSBI, I have chatted with them about different types of, you know, sometimes it's loans, sometimes it's funding, to get everything kind of ready here. And I'll have some more conversations with Ingenuity because I talked to them a while back. Some of the equipment that we would need will be, we will need it to be engineered. So once I, when I have all of those pieces ready, right, to start pulling the trigger on them so that we can go from where we are right now to not just me out in my garage making these systems, because that's the, what it's done right now, the way it's done, just, that's all me, is to have a, a multiple people set up, you know, so we can get some volume, because it could be huge. You know, it's the cart before the horse thing, right? It's all plan, 
right, with no action yet because we can't, we just don't want to put ourselves in crazy debt and say, damn it, that didn't work out. <laughs> Not yet anyway. It's going to be another year or two years, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. It is. You seem, both of you, seem to have the mind of entrepreneurs. And what I mean by that is you're steadily tinkering. You're, you seem to be a, a real innovator. I'm a tinkerer. That's yeah. true. I'm just more supportive. <laughs> I'm not really the entrepreneur. She puts out I just me. support yeah. everything that he does. Well, you do a lot of the talking, though. I mean, you, I do a little bit. Yeah. yeah. She does all of her social media, mm-hmm. right? So our biggest um, draw for business when it comes to polishing is Facebook. Mm-hmm. And Candy handles all of that, right? Mm-hmm. The only part I'll play, she'll say, did I word this right? You know, it might not, just to make sure we're not, right? She doesn't even do that anymore. She knows what to say. She puts out the blurbs. They reach out to her. She fires them off to me. Boom, we're off to wherever, PEI. So that's a lot of work. Right? It is. And it's something that I don't know how to do, want to do, right? <laughs> and have the time to do. And she does it. Yeah. And well, it's great to have a product, but people have to know about it. That's yeah. right. Last year, James ended up in the hospital and it left me to handle everything. And I was just kind of completely thrown into it. And he was just not reachable. So it was either do or die. Yeah. It was, it had to be handled. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great six-day learning curve for you because there was like jumping with two feet not even knowing some of the terminology right because it was it was a really busy time of the year it was april so the fishing season was opening and we were getting requests for all this diesel polishing and typically she would just take the interest from the fishermen and send it to me i'd get on the phone explain everything and what we do and all this kind of stuff well i wasn't there to do that anymore so she had to try to explain to them this is what diesel polishing is and sometimes she would text me and say they're asking me this, and I was like literally laying in the hospital. Saying, They'll say it this way, or no, that's right. Yeah, carry on. So it was, you know, it was a crash course and trial by fire. Yeah. yeah. Well, no better way to learn, I no, guess. That's right. We're very optimistic that the future looks really bright. Again, like I said, we're still in survival survival mode. You know, like we also have another component to the system that I kind of developed. I'm working with the NSCC in Halifax, and we got really lucky on that one because the COA funded the first leg of this. So we're developing an oil and water sensor. Mm-hmm. So we want to be the filter system that nobody else can touch in terms of what it's capable of. So this one, when it comes out, not, not just about pressure and, and, and um, the filter won't plug and these sorts of things. We're, our sensor will say bits of oil are now being passed through your filter, change it before your eye can even see it. So again, there's really only two competitors because I think the one in the States is one manufacturer, but there's two brands. If you go to their website, it says change the filter when you see oily discharge. Well, the damage is already done. If you're looking over the side of your boat and you can see a rainbow, the damage is done. Mm-hmm. So the sensor, and we're pretty close to getting it done. They've been working on it for quite some time. Yeah, months. We'll, we'll like, you know, a little light look on us. Now they'll say, I'm not compliant. i got to go down and change that filter before they ever see anything going overboard. So that's our other big innovation that I've been working. Again, COA funded the first leg that's almost over. So we're into the, we know everything we need that we think it's going to work. And then NSPI, really lucky we get the, it's a tier one voucher. So we don't get any of the money again, but it's worth 15 grand. That goes straight to the NSCC. And now they're going full bore on getting this thing into an actual affordable, workable prototype for us. Right. So, yeah. And that's what I mean with all of this came from Ignite in terms of, I remember before I joined Ignite, I was, I would, my business partner somehow, he bought it, I guess, a book of all the government programs available in Canada. We, hadn't, we didn't know where to look. So that's, and he's not an internet guy. So I came home from Old West one day and I said, what is that? And it was literally a three th- inch thick binder. And he said, oh, I don't know, I bought it somewhere. It's got a, all these government programs in it. And I started thumbing through it. And 
I've seen Nova Scotia Business Inc. That, and it jumped out at me because it was Nova Scotia. Some of them are just generic acronyms. I didn't know where they were from or what about. Right. So that's, I set up an appointment with Lynn Coffin, who's since retired, moved on. But she was at the local NSPI. That's all I could find. I didn't know. I heard of a COA. I didn't know who to call with a COA. So it was Doug who would say, you know, and I found that with Ignite. If you know what you don't, if you know what you need, right, or you know what you're struggling with, they can point you in the right direction. And I found some companies or businesses that started through thought Ignite was just going to take you by the hand, help you build your business, right? That's not what they're helping for. And they were clear about that early on. We're not here to build your business for you, right? We're here to say, what do you need help with? So we learned that really early on, and we asked for it. We said, you could, so when I, we joined, I, I'd go to Doug and say, I, we need to do this, and it's engineering stuff. Oh, you need to talk to this person at a co and this person here, and that's what Connection. we're going to get. Yeah, oh, and then, of course, Doug being so well-known, if he introduces you to somebody, they usually want to make something happen for you, right? So that was really important to us early on, and that's part of the reason why mm-hmm. NSCC is working on us under two programs, right, and the COA one. And the COA has been huge for us, too. I mean, they've been there really early on, right? In fact, they were the first ones to help us with engineering, they I think. They were, yeah. And NRC helped us, yeah. COA, NSBI, you know, so it's, it's huge because that's expensive stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's expensive, expensive enough to market yourself or brand yourself and all that sort of stuff, but when you actually have to hire, create thousands and thousands of dollars worth of engineers for a little company, we but would never... But before we became tenants of Ignite, we were knocking on doors and oh. nobody was answering. And we were, what were the cards that you made? And we were mailing them and pamphlets oh little flash drives with yeah. videos on them right yeah. and full explanation of what we did and just the doors kept on shutting so when we became tenants of ignite the doors started opening yeah they did and mm-hmm. and then time in like we, we never let up on the gas pedal so that we used to say early on like by our f- end of our first year or into our second to say man it's going to be nice that someday that somebody needs green oil services are going to pick up the phone and actually know who we are and call us well that's what it's like for the most part now which is fantastic. You know, I'll get a call or you'll get a message on Facebook. You guys are the diesel polishing guys, right? You know, and then boom, 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 we're off we go. But four years ago or three years ago, that never happened. No. Right? We were just constantly trying to promote ourselves until and gained enough traction. Like in PEI, now they know us so well, they'll pick up the phone and say, you guys coming back over? I need you in a couple of weeks. Well, we don't have enough boats lined up. Well, leave that up to me. How many do you need? And then they got all their yeah. buddies together and, you know, the same as Graham and Ann. That's why they're there right now. Had one guy reach out to me, understood that we can't go all the way to Graham and Ann, you know, to do a smaller boat. And then he found a few people, and we still wasn't enough yet. Candy put the thing on Facebook, boom, two big boats signed up, said, boys, you're going to Graham and Ann for four days. Well, guys, cheers. This yeah. is really, a, it's an amazing story. Yeah, we're at an exciting point right now. Yeah, it feels yeah. like it. It yeah. feels like you're on the edge of something huge. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. We hope so. For more information on Green Oil, visit their website, greenoilsolutions.ca. And to find out more about rural innovation and what Ignite does, check out IgniteAtlantic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribed, shared us with your friends, and gave us a good review. And we'd love to hear from you. Any comments or suggestions about the podcast or who you'd like to hear on it are most welcome. Our website again, IgniteAtlantic.com. And my email is Wade, W-A-D-E, at IgniteAtlantic.com. I'm Wade Cleveland. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk soon.